following program may contain coarse language, suggested dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. Welcome to another episode of the Toonami Faithful Podcast. I am your host, Sketch, and with me I have... Hey, it's Samurai Derail Maddox. And... Not bringing up the rear this time, it's Caboose Jr. And Caboose isn't bringing up the rear this time because we have a guest. Carl Olsen. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. A.K.A. Ultra Kleistron, who you uh, may have heard on one of the Nerdcore Absolution CDs. Yep. And if you haven't heard, you should. You really should, actually, yes. If you haven't, you should be ashamed of yourself. Good, your arm good quality nerdcore, and you're missing out. Yeah. And they've been out for years now, so get on it. Yeah. I think the last <laughs> one was 2016, so... Yeah. yeah. They're free! Yeah. Maybe. Well, some version of them is free. Pay, yeah. pay what you want. <laughs> pay what you want. Exactly. Yeah, Exactly. You want the stuff with Ultra Clystron, you know that. Yeah. And it's and it's not the city of amnesia. So uh a little stupid history lesson here, uh, is is that uh Carl Olson was a probably still is a moderator on Toon Zone. I, I still have mod in, in reporting. Yeah. But you know. You poor bastard. And he's for, always giving me a hard time like, it's lower traffic. for a very long time. You, you, you you totally weren't intentionally running the line for years. No, that would be that'd be foolish for me to say. Except you told me to you told me to my face once in the mall. <laughs> yeah, good remember times. That, yeah, remember that time I rickrolled myself at that one uh, soccer con? That was well done. Yeah, I I enjoy that song actually. Still do. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna say goodbye. Never gonna turn around and desert you. Thank you, Darrell. It was a lovely, lovely rendition. Sorry, my bad. Dude, we're gonna get copyright strike. Come on. Yeah, don't, don't do that. It sounds the exact same. Yeah. How can you tell the difference between Darrell and Rick Astley? I, I cannot. I'm actually sober, and Rick isn't. That's true. Uh, <laughs> well, this time. This time. Good point. So, with this history, I decided to bring Carl on to talk about Fooly Cooly, because he's done so in the past and has opinions. That's and, pretty much how I yeah. got the mod gig, is like uh, people who are already mods on Toon Zone saw me doing these really overwrought theory posts on uh, the Adult Swim forum. Uh, and they're like, shit, if he's going to write that much, you might as well have him do articles. <laughs> so, <clears throat> basically a whole bunch of fanfic, huh? Gotcha. No, more along the lines of just like, if you can, you go, like, you'll, you'll see. Wait till we start talking about the episode. It, it'll get really esoteric fast. <laughs> Man, I'll be using these big college words on this podcast. <laughs> it's going to get just, weird. <laughs> just joking, man. Please use more of your vernacular. I love it. <laughs> Ooh, vernacular. Such a good word. 
But there was also a little bit of news because a big deal finally happened. Uh, just the other day, the uh, AT&T and Turner merger was approved as after a six-week trial, Judge Richard Leon, he uh, said that the government failed to prove the deal violates antitrust law and ripped apart the case. So, it's happening. AT&T and Time Warner are going to do their merger. Hmm. Who got paid off? Oops. That took a while. Man. Yeah, that was... that was. Well, I, I think it was... I'm not too surprised because it's like it's very hard to say like you can't be an ISP and a media company at the same time when you Comcast has owned M- NBC for close to a decade now. When did they? When did when did G sell that off to sell sell off the NBC stuff to Comcast? Like that's a while back. Yeah, yeah. It, it's and NBC Comcast Universal has been a thing for a while. Yeah, and that's pretty much all the same bits here other than i guess at&t doesn't just have like uh you know like comcast does just wires to your house at&t does wires to your house and because they have direct tv they've got satellite and because they have cellular they have cellular so they're they're a broader set of pipes but it's just pipes that get you data and technically they already had a media company because they've got 50 percent of otter media which has uh verve and which uh, consequently has crunchyroll oddly enough so now i guess cartoon network and crunchyroll are second cousins by marriage kids and cousins <laughs> well it's by so. mississippi way yeah no that's it'll be really interesting because time warner is kind of notorious for like being like i remember back at like being going to like panels back in or mid 2000s early 2000s where people would 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 vent unprompted about time warner's lack of uh internal synergy Mm -hmm. um and i don't see i don't see at&t buying them to not have maximize synergy instead so i'll be very curious to see um whether that means like, you know, do you start saying like, oh, we've got, you know, all this anime broadcasting on Adult Swim. We have anime licensing through uh, Crunchyroll. I mean, do these synergies start to to come together down the road? But it's way too early to tell. Like, because I mean, you know, like with when it, when it was AOL Time Warner, theoretically, you would have had <laughs> the ultimate lead on a streaming driven, you know, over the top company. And it never happened because they never got over that synergy hump so i could easily i mean unless at&t is willing to like really aggressively say like no this is what we're doing i don't know i really don't know there's really no telling what could happen it's yeah it's i think more opportunity is here than issues so i'm not really worried about it i'm not worried about things ending abruptly because of well they're they they are taking on like they think they're like going to be 185 billion dollars in debt by the time this goes through oh yeah so there is that leveraged buyout paranoia where it's all like are they just trying to run up the bill while they pocket that money and then like iHeartRadio or toys r us or kb toys is it just just actually like a leveraged buyout scenario where the idea is we can intentionally bankrupt this because it's important enough stuff we can get a bailout or the assets that we will have when we need to sell off are all going to still be valuable. It's still valuable to have cable network. It's still valuable to have all this infrastructure. So there's like, I'm, you know, 50, 50, like I need, I really do need, we really do need to see 
how this plays out in the next like two to three years. Like, what are they doing with this? Because the synergy mm-hmm. stuff is obvious to any of us here. Like, there's a lot of things that could be gained by having, you know, more over the top access because people are, especially in our age group, are dropping cable. So, if you can suddenly, Don't me. I'm sorry, Darrell. Don't worry I'll about see. it. We won't talk about that. No. I just don't you're affecting Darrell's livelihood. Darrell, no, just... no, 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 no. Hey, hey, hey. we don't know where Darrell works at in the discussion. <laughs> Darrell still works for the library, people. <laughs> Oof. I heard people are canceling library cards. <laughs> oh yeah, all the time, man. I uh, evidently yeah, I have a copy of Macross Plus from the library from many 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 years ago and i'm kind of afraid to step foot in the library after all this time because that belongs to them and i've had it in my possession for at least 10 years maybe okay this is what happened either is if they're like bpl then they're not gonna wipe the slate clean they're just gonna hold on to it but some libraries do write that stuff off and delete it out of the system Mm-hmm. So you're good to go. So they might have deleted it out of system and it no longer has a barcode. Because seriously, I went through a lot of stacks and databases and stuff that I couldn't find on the shelf or that had been gone for like a certain amount of years. Dude, I deleted it out of the system and just put it like, look here. It's a loss now. Nobody's checking this out. Nobody's circulating this. Nobody's watching this. But, you know, if you want to hand that Macross over to me, you know, I'd be more than obliged to take it off your hands. Bet <laughs> <laughs> you would. Nah, just joking. Library fraud, fraud podcast. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I learned a whole lot at the library. I worked there for 10 years, man. Um, but no, I'll be curious to see what they do with it. It'd be nice if, like, I love Cartoon Network to be more like Crunchyroll, which is, like, cheap and easy for me to subscribe to no matter where I'm living, rather than getting the same kind of content. Like, I get exactly the same stuff in Canada as I'd get in the States. And I'm and they're really trying, you know, Crunchyroll plays this very global game. Like, they really try and have, like, a, a consistent library as much as they can world, worldwide now. And I'd like to see that kind of thing rather than, you know... Uh, well, we could resell it to somebody in Canada and then we make that money up front. It's like, just sell it to me directly. Give me a subscription so that I can watch the same thing. <laughs> exactly. I wouldn't mind doing that there. How much use did you get out of the Adult Swim subscription over there? Um, I never bothered with the Canadian one. Uh-huh. Uh, partially because I heard from uh, my good friend Jesse Betridge of the Zon in Canada podcast that it was a just mess. Like the app was never good on anything. <laughs> So I was like, mm, right. I'm not gonna, I mean, it's also, it's, it's one of those things. And I, and I hate to say it, it's all like you, when you can get a VPN and then just use the U S app, um, for anything that isn't behind a cable login. And in fact, even if it's behind a cable login, if you have a U.S. cable login, it will work <laughs> over the top of, the, of, of a VPN. Um, it's kind of like, well, it seems like there's way less excuse for the Canadian app to be bad. <laughs> Like, if I can go through a bunch of, like, rigmarole and still get your U.S. app to work internationally, um, but I can't get your the app that I would pay for to work, that's a real, it's a real turnoff. And again, very annoying compared to, like, the companies that are built to be over the top first. It's just so easy to use Crunchyroll. It's so easy to use Funimation. It's so easy to use these things that are geared around that uh, in comparison or that aren't, like, geo-blocking everything. Like, Viceland uses the same app in Canada as they do in the States, and it just works. Hmm. You know? Actually, I had a question. Did you guys ever get the 
the new season of Samurai Jack? I don't think so. Wow. I don't think we have. That seems crazy because well, Samurai we Jack we, we, on we, Adult we Swim Canada we is like we, a we didn't, thing Yeah, there. they still run it. They still run it on, on Adult Swim Canada and ran it well before they were running it on Adult Swim in the U.S. on Adult Swim Canada. But yeah, like, no, we haven't even got Rick and Morty season three. And like, that's a big hallmark cash cow property that they have optioned for 70 episodes. And like, they're not the international, like, this is what I'm saying is, is like Cartoon Network's international game. And I know some of this is probably most of it's beyond the control of people like Mike Lazo and uh, Jason DeMarco. But I feel like I'd hope an AT&T would empower those most forward thinking execs inside of Time Warner. And I named two, but there are many more to sort of take the take point on saying, no, we play this game the same way Netflix or Crunchyroll does globally. We're here. We, we, oh, we made that we funded this content and we're going to make every last dime off of it as directly as possible and not be like, Oh, we'll sell it to this third party in another country uh, for a quick hit of upfront cash. Like they should be understanding that you're, you've got copyright for like the next trillion years. So just monetize it directly yourself because there's no barriers to that anymore other than artificial ones you put up for yourself as a company, you know? Nice, nice job bringing it back yep. to the topic. But I it can also know. segue because luckily you do have a way to watch Fooly Cooly Progressive. Yes, there's a couple. Like you can actually, there's something that's like, it's up on Google Play here. It's up on iTunes here. Um and ostensibly was supposed to be unblocked for via Adult Swim uh, for Canada and I think England. It's not. But, um, you know, again, you throw a VPN in the way and you can't actually watch it. Um, you should buy it so that they're seeing that people are watching it here in Canada if you're a Canadian listener. But uh, I understand if you want to wait for physical media. There are people who are like, I only want to spend money on this, like, if there's a disc and plastic and a dinosaur, dead dinosaur is involved in its production. <laughs> Can I get a dead dinosaur, please? You probably have some in your gas tank. Mm, yeah, good point. Fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. It's like, yeah. but um, no. So I, I have been keeping up, and I've been, I've been really uh, impressed. Like it was, um, it did seem like this was going to be kind of a long shot. Uh, for a tall work for for a sequel this late and with uh, such intentionally green staff like relatively you know uh, people who had not run shows before which is a in contrast to to Suramaki who has had run you know massive very super important shows before <laughs> um, and directed on super important shows before so um, and the fact that it's and movies yeah like no like you, you the complete uh, opposite taken resume. Uh, for these folks but yet it's it's paid incredible dividends um which is you know ig gets just huge credit for it i mean even if like these things somehow flop their endings like the fact they started strong is almost still you know massive points Mm -hmm. well i guess that leads us to uh talking about the second episode in particular so i'm just going to do a brief recap on this. Freebie Honey, episode two of Fully Cooly Progressive. Once again, we open with one of uh, Hidomi's interesting dreams. Th- this time seems to be a bit of a zombie thing. And there's a, a 
cute voiceover talking about how everything is adorable and cute and lovely. And you clearly see zombified versions of Hidomi, Ide, uh, and uh, Ide's friends, Marco and Mori. I was pretty sure that was Mori. I think I recognized his shirt and the glasses. And probably some other people, maybe. Talk about Mr. I'm wearing a skirt and not a utility kilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Unisex. Yeah. Look, he is fashion forward. Yeah. That is not fashion forward, dude. That is not a kilt. That's a goddamn miniskirt. But I don't want to see your crest ass on the well. At some point in the horror that... of the situation, in the dream, you flash over to Hidomi and she cracks a smile. She seems to be enjoying the graphic display. Something up with that girl. Well, it's, she is a little bit on the sadistic always, side. It's always the quiet ones. Isn't it, though? Yeah. Dude, I, those I, are I, the best ones, man. I couldn't I, I quite I, tell if the voiceover was supposed to be Hidomi. Yeah, it's the same VA. Same VA. It's, it's, it it is. Okay. That makes sense. So she's kind of narrating her own dream again, this time very differently than the first time, which was very well moody interesting (laughs) well it's like they're both very moody dreams but this was like if the first one was just kind of disorienting like this definitely had um some complex to put it politely undertones (laughs) Hmm. yes so the next day it's school no i I shouldn't skip this part because when she wakes up and uh jinyu is still working at the cafe helping out hidomi's mother and is trying to warn her about the woman with the Vespa, but keeps getting cut off at Ves. And the woman with the Vespa, of course, is Raharu, who is uh, Haruko. And she's the teacher, as we saw in the first episode. And by this episode, there's probably not that much time that has passed, but it seems like she has entranced all of the students to thinking... That she's been there a long time, and she gives them a fake yearbook with these crayon drawings that they see as these vivid pictures. So there's oh. definitely some mind manipulation <laughs> stuff going on there. I love her for that, though, man. I love her so much for that. I'm talking about literally. This is how you mold young minds, man. Manipulate. But she's well, so much more fun this time around, though, man. Well, and it seems like a lot of media outlets took that as meta commentary on people fondly remembering the past, um, which I'm like, I, I'm not sure if they're trying to be quite that meta, but it's not outside of the fully coolly wheelhouse either. So no. give it to him. She also gives him a speech about how adults have ruined the world. And she includes herself in that. And then is like, no, actually it's not my fault. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Shaggy. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Kari is having a lot of fun with this. As oh, well, she's she like, yeah, like to cut. I mean, that's such a. She's so like. I don't think many VAs get to come back to characters that intense years later. Usually, it's like much more. Like the things that get rebooted aren't usually this weird, yeah. and usually aren't the first show you worked on. So like that's this has got to be like this is like uh got to be an amazing experience, and she's having clearly having fun. <laughs> so shortly thereafter. Haruko is <laughs> driving her Vespa through the hall and finds Hidomi and asks her to deliver the worksheet because Ida wasn't there 
uh, E-Day. What was it there? Doggone it, My Hero Academia. <laughs> Look at you. Get your mind right, man. This is not Deku's world right now. Yeah. That's the show that airs before. Holy coly. That's such a, such a context it's, switch. It's... <laughs> it is, isn't it? Very different school experience. Mm. Really so, was. Ide wasn't there, so she asked Hidomi to deliver the worksheet, because that's a typical thing that teachers do, right? Uh-huh. I mean, I it's like, it. like, it's yeah. like that's a typical Japan thing, where they go yeah. with it. You, like, you're, you expect, like, we're going to see a, a boring, you know, middle-class apartment, maybe, or house, and then I'll let you continue. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, mm-hmm. well, for some reason she agrees to do it, and ends up in, like, the serious slums of this city. And she's in the bad part of town, for sure. Let's just call it what it is, man. She was in the back alley, man, of Skid Row. Yeah. Seriously. It's it's a bad, bad place. And there's plenty of characters that come by and like, you shouldn't be here. It's not a good place for a girl to be walking through. And the one-eyed pirate guy from the first episode in the cafe pops up and asks... If she wants to become a pro, and then asks if Marco wants to become a pro, and I think he's talking about baseball, but maybe not. <laughs> we all know I what baseball... he was talking about soccer, man. <laughs> we all know what baseball is in a, is a metaphor in this series for. So oh, he yeah, could have been, but you know, if even if he was, you know, he didn't mean it. Yeah. So Mori and Marco <laughs> bump into Hidomi, and Mori takes her to see what. Ide does when he's not at school and it's apparently to be worked very hard for not much pay and uh he's not technically a slave he seems to get paid and all but it's not very nice working conditions and then he tries to hawk junk to foreigners air looks like like handmade airsoft which is maybe the darkest shit Hey, dude, don't knock airsoft until you get a try, man. Yeah. But would you want his airsoft kit, which makes stuff out of rocks? Hey, dude, look here. Rocks are cheap and expensive. <laughs> and inexpensive, I'm sorry. Ooh, just saying. <sighs> so he definitely gets to see the other side of E-Day, and uh, this causes her to have a reaction. Well, he's super ripped, but he's yeah. also getting super whipped. So, you know, <laughs> just saying. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that Mari was making almost fanboying out and getting the vapors when he said that. Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of like going in. He was yeah. like, that is like, not the body of a high school. A normal middle schooler. <laughs> That's so sus. He's so ripped. It's almost as amazing as my body. <laughs> and she no. just looks over him like, dude. <laughs> Yeah. Can't lie for a middle schooler where he was kind of ripped, man, but you know. Hmm. That's kind of like um Alabama Scrunny's little runt rip here. That body right there, that's about that's like either elementary school or middle school rip. High school rip is a whole lot different. But he's only but they're only in actually junior kind of high. an intri- Well, yeah, it's junior high which is interesting because I don't know, there's a lot of little there's a lot of little subtle things here that they're uh they're playing with like it's junior high but it's but is it japan junior high because they're not wearing uniforms yet and certainly that that uh barrio uh 
you know, Skid Row neighborhood did not look terribly Japanese. It's like very interesting. They're playing it very vaguely setting wise. It's it was a, almost it's an interesting like, choice. It had a, like Western feel to it. It was yeah. uh, it was Western. It also reminded me there's a lot of like um, NHK does a lot of documentaries on like uh, like hardware recycling happening in like China and stuff. And it reminded me a lot like like it looked a lot like those like places outside of Shenzhen that are just like full of like black smoke and dust oh. and people like melting down plastics for like pennies so that they can like get scraped by to send their kids to school. I was like, whoa, that's kind of. It's interesting to sort of see that they've borrowed these. They've got a lot more, you know. It's it's not like whereas Fully Clue One is very much like small town Japan. Like uh, having, especially after I had visited places like um, Gifu and Takayama, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what Fully Clue is trying to. That's that's what they're going for verbatim, and certainly seems to be some of what um, Alternatives doing in its first episode is a very similar setting. This is more amorphous there's multiple things coming together it's not one one spot which is uh, a, a a neat choice yeah it's uh it's definitely got a more international kind of setting to it and and the characters too and yeah. they turned the old american foreigner giving a japanese person a hard time thing on its head and decided to have a japanese actor who lives in america uh, dub in Japanese the scene that would have been in English, which is pretty great. Yes, once again we got dubs. Well, we got subs on God dang on um tsunami again. Something yeah. that people said when how? <laughs> two, two Jeez, so here. Well, we had it with Dandy. We had it with. Uh, now wait a minute. We had you know we had it with Dandy. We had it. We had it. Doom. Doom. Yep. Kill, <laughs> so, kill. kill. Exactly. We even got well, kill. Kill has kill text kill. everywhere. You can't if you don't yeah, subtitle it, it. You're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not? being fair about it, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm just being fair about all this stuff hmm. because things that we said we wouldn't get on tsunami, I said would actually happen. Actually happened. Did happen. So yeah. Yeah. Even never the hint. Never. Yep. Never say never. Never. Except say never. for One Piece. Oh, oh yeah. You oh. just had to say that. Way to kick him uh, in yes, the, I did. Way to kick him in the charge, guys. Mm -hmm. I love it when you do that. I mean, never We're say never, never gonna but get he did air for four back. years. So, I mean, it's already aired. You can't say that it, it would never air on Tsunami, because it already It'll did. never air again. Uh, oh. Beautiful. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. Probably. Probably. Twisting that knife. Yeah. So... Back to the scene in progress, uh, Hidome has uh, had a reaction to Ide getting ripped and whipped, and she collapses after a serious nosebleed. And by the way, she bleeds on her sweater, and then it's never seen again. Well, uh, he's clearly that. got club soda in his fucking shanty apartment. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> hey, so, Nikki, you gotta have club soda in your shanty apartment, man. Yeah. It's true. He, Ide grabs Hidome and takes her off to said shanty apartment where they have some sensual nose plugging. They've been kind like they've been kind of playing with sensual underpinnings the whole episode, but yeah. Yeah. I can't lie, man, that was pretty sexy though, the way they did that hair. 
it's the bully coolie way it's that yeah. music man that music <laughs> totally sold Don't, it going going deep into the pillows catalog for something that sounds as close to 70s porno music as they can find <laughs> exactly and uh I hope there's like in. notes on the script where it's like my class was like music needs to be seventies porno. <laughs> Dude, sometimes that nineteen seventy porn music was just off the chain, man. Jesus was man, it actually did set the mood though, man. Funk is funk. Exactly. Dude, after a couple of psychedelic trips with strums and acid, dude, you good to go. Or just watching fully coolie, it's about the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't do drugs, kids. Just drink alcohol. Watch anime. So and them titties. As he is uh, attending to the nosebleed for a moment, uh, a lady busts in. Probably his mom. That was his mom. Yeah. And she, voiced by Barbara Goodson, wonderfully, uh, goes on about how she used to be, uh, you know, a bit of a firecracker when she was young, and now Ida is like bringing home another girl. But he kicks her out promptly. And then he tries to offer those tickets that he uh, told his friends about in the previous episode to uh, see some art about space. And does a really bad job at uh, selling the whole idea. But then he thinks he's hearing what he wants. But it was always Haruko up in the rafters recording them. (laughs) It was all a dream. Used to be word up. <laughs> this was up, Carl. Thank you. Yeah, he uh, jumps right out of them shorts. Oh, the, the loop on jump was just fantastic. Like, yes. they, they're so glad they committed to that. Um, I feel I feel bad for you, Day. Like that was that look was going pretty okay until Haruko was like, "Nope, time to wreck the mood." <laughs> I mean, dude, little he probably could have got him a piece that night. Well, she was clear. Like, there is no way around the fact that Hidomi does have an interest in Ide, a very complex one, um, <laughs> to say the know, least. But uh, lots of lots of that Lacanian jouissance in there. But uh, I'll keep it brief. <laughs> Girl, give me some of that. Uh-huh. Now, this is when Chinyu shows up and. Uh... Wrecks up the place a little bit and tries to warn Hidomi again. And they play a little word game between uh, Haruko and her. It's, it's apparently a Japanese onomatopoeia game, which translates pretty well. Yeah, they actually did the Shiratoria, which actually I think is one of the best Shiratoria yeah. uh, games I've seen in English. Normally, it really translates poorly. Yeah. Yeah, never try to play with Shiratori with somebody, somebody who actually doesn't know how to play. I tried. They literally sucked. Ah. So Jinyu shows up with her transforming robot car, which is pretty freaking rad. <laughs> and uh, grabs Hidomi, but Haruko's not going to take that standing, so she grabs Ide by a leash and throws him <laughs> into the air. Uh-huh. And the battle ensues. And I should note that the the robot that came out of Ide's head in the first episode has just been kind of around town, doing his thing, helping He's out. A mascot now. Just chilling. 
just chilling. Don't mind it. So when she smacks Ide to bring it forward, he like gets transported from another part in the slums where he's just chilling out, trying to have a drink. Let's <laughs> get thrown into a battle. I feel bad for that robot. Dude. Just yeah, trying yeah. to get hammered. <laughs> exactly. It's a hard life for a robot out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I assume Futurama rules. So actually, he was just refueling. He needs alcohol to live. Ah, yeah. yeah he's like Bender, man. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That makes I'm talking about, like, seriously, dude. Sometimes you just really do need that booze, man, to just spark that um energy. <laughs> uh, look here. I know, dude. Trust me. Daryl also needs liquor to live. <laughs> dude, look here. Momocon, man, that's the first thing I would do, man, is go and get something to drink first, man. I literally need alcohol first to actually function. And the more I drink, the smart I get. So that thing about alcohol actually killing brain cells is a freaking lie. <laughs> but Daryl is not a doctor. Consult your no. physician. Yeah. But maybe he's like not intended on TV to be once. This podcast is not intended to be medical advice. No, it's not. No, absolutely not. We're just talking about Darrell's physiology and body chemistry because someone who can drink that much and still get up the next morning without a hangover and just <laughs> act normal. That's not normal. Darrell might actually be a robot secretly. <laughs> I'll smash sketch the head with a guitar and see if Darrell comes out. <laughs> You know what? I think that did happen one time, man. It's like, here's Johnny! <laughs> oh, man. It's possible. That's a visual. I well, I did drink that bottle of radioactive Jack Daniels that day to get these superpowers I have. That's right. You sure did. <laughs> the atomic How liver. does a robot get superpowers? Hmm. I He's have a idea. cyborg. Zero, zero, 009. Oof. <laughs> Co- coming soon from Discotech Media. Man. And please, everybody buy that because they put so much work into doing it. Yeah. Heck yeah. It's a good show. It really was. So the fight ensues and there's a lot of talking and a lot of cautionary and eventually... Hidomi has another reaction and turns into this weird little robot doll thing. I, with... I think the important thing to note, because it puts the rest of the episode in content, is the reaction very specifically. It finally kicks this all off into super high gear. And she's like, you could die. Jinyu tells her she could die. And yeah. very obviously that was like, oh, I could die. And clearly Hidomi could not be more turned on. <laughs> It's like the the most like unsubtle, blatant, uh, you know, connect back, and then you're like, oh, all that all that weird shit that we felt underneath there was like, yes, she definitely has like a quasi sadistic, quasi masochistic thing going on there, very much that like pain pleasure jouissance, you know, uh, pleasure crossing over into pain thing, yeah. and uh, she loses it, like you know, she doesn't just her head her forehead doesn't just explode, it nukes the fucking neighborhood. And yeah. then you see this weird robot Yudomi. It's like clearly bringing it up kind of another level of blatant metaphor. I think even over the previous series did not, you know, was, previous series was pretty much straight Freudian and this is getting a little more more complex emotionally. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that doll causes another explosion once Haruko gets close enough to touch it. And uh, no touchy. Boom. And it goes flying through the air and then punches itself in the mouth and then turns back into Hitomi. Right. After after punching herself in the mouth, she turns back in with a gigantic gush of blood as well. Yeah, like and suddenly we're bleach. <laughs> Why mu- not? This feels like it's a like this fully coolly. Just like just this episode alone is probably bloodier than the entirety of the previous series. Like it's much more. Um, it brings it it brings that mix in like way more graphically. Yeah, and fully coolly. And I should say more blood in this one. <laughs> yeah. Which you know, that's deeply me- that's it, deeply meta- metaphysical or metaphor uh, metaphor heavy in a show like this. Mm-hmm. You know, well, coming of age. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I think it's called Thanatos something, man. I can't remember what the term was in psychology, but it's people who get turned on by death, man. It's yeah. not necessarily BDS- BDSM, which is yeah. you know. Uh, by mass, you know, masochism, sadistic and masochism, but mm-hmm. it is a paraphilia, though, yeah. which means it's a degenerate form of sexual long outlet, you know, that people get turned on by that. It's almost like what we call walking the razor's edge on that. Yeah. Well, like, and it does end up underpin a lot of like modern uh, psychological theory, like Lacan and, of course, Slavo Zizek, the uh, Slovenian philosopher, uh, oh, who, of course, I'm sure we're all familiar with Zizek. That's not just me being fucking. No, it's not you just. No, dude. You, look at psychology and uh, philosophy. We're together, man. Descartes, yeah. I think, therefore I am, bitch. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> like, like uh, when you take a look at. Uh, you know, like like I said, the 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 the, uh, the the French word that has become like a word very heavily used in in philosophy and literary theory now is jouissance, which means like enjoyment to the point of like pain. Like that's very much underpinning uh, a lot of what we're seeing out of Hidomi, and is in, in very much in contrast to like if um if a big part of what Nauta was is he was actually very childish, but he tried to pretend that he's grown up. A big part of Hidomi is is she doesn't she simply doesn't want to be. And that's even then reflected in her uh, desires, uh, not just emotionally on a surface level of trying to shut herself out from the world, but literally like that's bleeding into her uh, sexual desires in the show. And it's a very it's actually I mean, it's a really kind of deep and refined thing that I think a lot of anime, you know, lots of anime is violent. Lots of anime is sexual. Lots of anime is sexually violent. But it's not deep. It's not actually trying to say anything by it. It's not trying to reference any sort of philosophy or anything in this. And that's not never been Felicoli's thing. Felicoli's always tried to like cram twenty episodes of uh, of a complex show into six episodes of a much more complex show, and they seem to be doing that here. Like they seem to be following through on that. And while still being a reflection of adolescence, it is a different adolescence than the one that we saw. Uh, in the original series, and it seems to be, I mean, even though we only have one episode of Alternative, it's a very different adolescence to what we have out of uh, the characters there. You know? Yeah, I agree. Definitely. So, to wrap things up here, uh, plot-wise, there is a significant thing said by Jinyu in all of this uh, banter between her and Haruko, and that is, as many people assumed based on the visuals in the end sequence, 
that they are one and the same. They are two halves of the whole original Haruko. At least that is what has been implied so far. But <laughs> they're not even being subtle about this. It's like, you and I are the same. Oh, yeah. okay, well, not going to save that one for like the mid-season reveal. Got it. All right, cool. No worries. Well, I mean, they they didn't. I mean, they could have like, I guess, not had that in the end credits, and then people would have been like, "What the fuck? What do you mean, you and I are the same?" When you see it in the end credits, it's all like, "Oh, she got, she finally got a hold of Adamisk, and then ate him, and then that like was too much power for her, so she split in half." It's like, well, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, Haruko's goal is quite clearly to get back to Adamisk, and she'll use Hidomi and Ide and whoever else to get there. And that's why Jinyu's been trying that, to warn that, her. That, that I'm not sure about. That's oh. kind of the interesting thing to me is I think there's a possibility that like I think Jinyu wants to be wants to become a a, a whole person again. Uh, and I think um, and this state currently, I think that uh, Haruko is trying to avoid that um, after a sense. So she'll use all of her tricks that she knows to, you know, throw up trouble in the way of this but i mean i think it's interesting because it's also again kind of reflective of major themes in uh fully coolly as a as a property of trying to avoid um things that are coming your way uh and to see that even sort of somewhat there uh i, th I don't know i think it's interesting to have haruko in that role to have this dichotomy in this thing because it also plays into this literal dichotomy of you know uh, that Hidomi has of like, well, she's clearly like interested in the world, but she clearly also hates the world uh, and is and is very self, you know, she's very outwardly, like she has an, uh, an interest in outward violence and an interest in inward violence, has an interest in her own advancement and the advancement of other people as well. And it's all, it's in that conflict. It's in that conflict to, to which they then just ascribe the whole NO stuff and the rest of that, you know, world building bits but it's really just like that's adolescence right so it's interesting that they kind of found an excuse for haruko to act maybe more adolescent this time around because she's the one in a bit of denial as well hmm. i think but isn't that adolescence in the first place though man you do have a stage where you're just in a whole bunch of denial about who you actually are man oh yeah well was, but the thing is is what that denial is at different phases is, is. is something that fully coolly seems to be you know like with like i said naoto didn't was trying to be too mature and the mature thing to do is actually just to be a kid uh hidomi doesn't seem to want to exist and is trying to, to shut her shut you know it's that um and they had you know they didn't make her hikikomori because they wanted to have have classmates and stuff but she's acting in that kind of shut out the world behavior basically she's uh, introverted uh, as hell yeah man. very introvert mm -hmm. and with the uh the character in alternative with the character in alternative whose name i'm drawing a blank on um, the lead character there, she's clearly kind of in a nostalgia trap. Like she's like, I wish I could, I wish a, a magical, you know, person would come down and give me a wand. It's like you can't, if you're saying that still at 17, oh, and you're not maybe. thinking about the future. Like it's that, like you know, you're hanging on to childhood too long now. So like they found these different phases of adolescence in a sense, and it's in a way that they could actually probably continue to make do fully coolly forever, because uh, there's always different angles to this. Um, about fully coolly the college years. <laughs> Well, we can and always go was... look at it. We can always look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because basically, if you look at it, that's where the breakdown is kind of coming from. It in some points, if you actually look at it. Yeah, no, there's definitely, uh, you know, it's also in that, uh, you know, 
pursuit of the other being impossible to actually fully attain the petite object a type lacanian stuff where it's just like they they want so much to have something that they cannot at, at that phase have for some reason because it's not actually available to them in society um at this point in their lives or no longer is available to them it was something like yeah you can be when you're 12 you can be like i want to be sailor moon when you're 17 that's awkward when you're 12 you should probably be like i want to be naruto and you shouldn't be like i'm gonna be i'm gonna get a job and be more mature than my goof ass dad like that's weird like not not now is weird for one reason Kidomi's weird in an entirely different reason but it's still out of that like at its core kids not knowing how to how to be right yet mm-hmm. no no it's kind of like you know i guess you would say like the top tier you know where you kind of go into that um yeah. self-actualization phase you know well the thing is they and, want self-actualization but they don't actually know what self-actualization, self-actualization is, is for this scenario no exactly. like it's, it's, it's that very much that misunderstood you know, reflection of self. It's like, exactly. oh, I've got to be, you know, you're, you're looking in the mirror, but you're not seeing you. And it's really cool. He's really great at playing with that and then building a whole weird, magical, semi-magical, semi-technological uh, wrapping on that. Um, it's it's fun in that way. Uh, it's, it really uh, is. And, it, and like I said, to that's the thing. This is like, we're talking about this and it does start to become like, there's a reason why I could write like a thousand words at a, swack trying to break this down or relate it to other gynax properties or these things you know 15 years ago and it's because it's actually rich enough to do this so when have new series providing the same opportunity uh that is an incredible achievement like it's it's hard enough to make a fully cool it's way maybe harder just to, to follow in its footsteps and not and not come off like you were either just aping the original show like they could have easily been like we did we redid it again except now it is a girl, and that would have been a complete letdown. It wouldn't matter how amazingly animated or 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 ac- accurately, uh, you know, like basically it would, it would have just been a cop out, man. Yeah, you know, they could have done a cop out. And the thing is, a lot of people probably would have been fine with it. A lot of people like, you know, especially that like there's a whole contingent that's like fully clearly makes no sense, and I'm like, yes, it does. <laughs> it absolutely does. It's just it's so informationally dense that you're going to have to watch it and tear it apart and you have to sit down and think with it it's not it doesn't give you everything um, basically it's kind of like the Frasier anime at this point man because you actually have you have to have some sort of cognitive reasoning and intelligence to actually break this down from a standpoint of like what's actually going on here from that mental perspective and like where they're actually trying to go as far as the story being told at this point from this interpretation of what a new character that's not now to yeah, and and to like step into different shoes and and make it feel like it's part of the same universe is a real, a real real achievement. It really is. I mean, you know, it still stays within the same lines of Fully Cooley, yeah. you know. But the thing is, it's still its own entity because it's like, okay, they're not following the same guidelines that Nauta had. I was like, this it stands on its own. Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a different adolescence, and I think yeah. it's a uh, and I, like I said, it's because they have. I think like, and I think the interesting thing is, it's also if Fully Kali was probably like Ava, or you know, it's the young, it's the it's the it's the typical hero's journey, uh, you know, down to like it being like a male lead character and all this stuff in six episodes. So it's taking this that and, and it's doing all the big heavy metaphysical lifting and all the same stuff. Yeah. And that this seems to be, I mean, I'm not sure if I can even relate it to anything else, which is actually rather impressive or maybe sad because there's just not so many anime narratives don't treat 
don't really treat don't don't delve into like uh, a psychological look at uh, a young woman's adolescence i think it's just well, kind of absolutely well carl have you seen flowers of evil <laughs> i'll give it to you that's true yeah. Yeah, yeah, now Flowers of Evil, man, that was a psychological anime, man, that really just showed, and the manga's good too, people, but it just told, it just showed you just how deep in, you know, in the human psyche that people could go, man, when they get twisted and manipulated. I mean, it, it started to get, it really started to get dark because it's really based off of Charles Baudelaire, which is Fluid of Miles, which is basically, you know, English translation, Flowers of Evil. Right. Well, and the, 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 and, the, and the interesting thing is it looks like Alternatives taking an entirely different thing of sort of saying, hey, you know all these, like, say-nothing slice-of-life shows with, like, four or five cute girls in, in, the, in the lead cast? What if we did that, but we did it in six, and they said more in the first episode than probably most of these shows summed together? <laughs> we're going we're gonna to throw, we're going to have more to say in 30 minutes than, like, the entirety of this, like, banal genre and i think that's the kind of thing where like fully clearly can take a look at these different things that are essentially slices of adolescence um these different genres that, that play with that but then say like what if we smash it all down and do more and I'm like wow they they could you know so long as they have uh creators that are this talented to and 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 uh open-minded to throw at it i you know i went from being like they could never do more fully clearly to be like kind of like i'm not just enjoying what i'm seeing right now I want to see how they surprise me again. That's an incredible feat to have achieved. Yeah. Um, which four more going. episodes of this season and five more episodes of the next. I know. Let's see where it goes. Got a beach episode. Like I told everybody. Oh, yes. That beach episode is going to be so... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. It's going to be the beach episode to end all beach episodes. Like I hope it's not predictable. I think that's the whole thing is is the second you see them do something that's so obvious and so obviously in a given lane or setting, like it's like, oh man, they're either gonna you know, it's like either that's a complete cop out, like we're seeing like that clip and the whole thing is actually something else. Um that you know. Be. Um, or they're going to figure out like, hey, you know what these have always done? Well, we're actually gonna figure out how to like make that mean something. And uh, it's not it's not that you can't have like it's not that the beach episodes often are just fluff in shows, but they are. And it's kind of a tricky thing to uh, graft anything onto. So uh, if they can pull it off, it'll be impressive because it's not that it's not attempted because I was thinking about it's like I can think of shows that have had beach episodes that they then use that to like be pretty plot essential, like even just recently as problematic and we can go in. That's a whole separate issue with Darling and the Franks. It's beach episode did actually probably do some very big plot advancement in world building. What it was going to be this beach episode. They actually used to do a lot of moving of things forward. Um, I want to say that, uh, I want to say that only guy teachers beach episode was relatively substantive, but I can't recall. Cause that's like literally 17 years ago. So, <laughs> But the thing is, it's not that you can't do it, but you know that if Fully Cooley's doing it, they've got to have a reason. Um, that's not just, th- you've got six to play with. You have to make it count. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's key. That's core to the whole Fully Cooley thesis. It's like, oh, we did an episode that's a baseball episode. Yeah, but. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and now more so than ever, because they are really holding to that 20. 20- One thing I have noticed is it's like, this is definitely paced like television. It's not paced like an OVA. 
uh, you have 22 minutes of actual show to play with. Um, And it's really trying to like hold to that. And I think it points, it leaves it. I think there's some parts that would have breathed probably if they had 30, like I think they could have had a bit more of Ide's life maybe in this episode, if they had 30 would, is it necessary though? Mm, no, because they kind of got like the the key thing is is in this episode was to understand like well what makes Hidomi tick like what is what is what is underneath this not wanting to feel at all and it's like oh it's like weird and self destructive she's like literally in love with death like it's like she's like Tina Belcher but like fucked up for real and. <laughs> Literally in love with death, like that. Yeah, I mean it's like zombies <laughs> and butts, right? Yeah, but like way more so. <laughs> um, I mean, like there's, I mean, it's, and like I said, it's 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 interesting that it is so much more. It is that violent. It's violently graphic, but then it is like, yeah, she's being consumed alive in her own dream. Like that's that's a head trip, um, and it's and like that's beyond the usual. You know, this isn't. That isn't a, 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 a that's not just gonna you can't just throw Freud at that and break that down. You need some later uh iteration on that. You know, this does not fit neatly into uh, you know, hero's journey monomythic stuff necessarily. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Indeed. So this episode wraps up with Hidomi, you know, showing genuine concern for Ide's condition and Jinyu. Grabs them both, puts her in a really cool transforming car again, and uh, puts them on life support, and says, "You'll be fine in a couple hours. Don't worry about it." It's a they... fun callback to the first show because mm-hmm. Nurse uh, Nurse Hardico, remember? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Hidomi looks over and sees Ide's foot. <laughs> it seems to like what she's seeing, and Ide looks up and is like, "You look terrible." And they share a little moment. And then just if you thought that they'd forgotten about the worksheets, Idomi reaches into her pocket and hands it to him as his worksheet. You weren't at school today. And they're just like, You know, I'm recovering. <laughs> the last thing I want to get is a dang old homework assignment, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like getting it's shot such, in the such, ass. It's such it. an amazing icebreaker, like from, from yeah. what was... I think that's an interesting thing, though, is, is like they were very awkward around each other, like both yeah. directions. Ide in this like very exaggerated, perfectly dead on like teenager, gawky teenager boy way. And Hidomi in this like reserved way. And now they actually that was the that was the first time they really spoke to each other. That was the fir- that was their first real conversation. It's like, you look terrible. So he's no longer trying to be like. He's naturally funny now. He's not trying to be like, do you want to go to me? Like, he's done with that because they've been through hell. He's, yeah. They've seen that. They've he's seen not putting very on raw an act side. anymore. Yeah, no, he's not fronting. And conversely, she, who's like, I'm stoic, is like, I'm a crack a joke. That's a huge, like, that's a, and, and I mean, it's something that um, I think maybe, I mean, it's there in the original Fully Coley. I feel like this series and, uh, and alternative are already a little a little better at these like quick subtle moments that like really advance the character, uh, really advance their characters or really establish them. And I think that's uh it, you know that was one of those moments for sure. It's just like oh wow they they're like that's the that's the Harry Potter. It's like after you survive a troll in the dungeon, of course you're friends. It's like well after you've been through a fight with Haruko and also possibly Haruko, 
<laughs> you're gonna there, there, there's a certain word i mean as it stands they clearly are outside of the rest of that worldview like they see that for what it really is they don't see yeah. scribbles yeah basically uh, they're in their own little world at this moment but yeah now now more so than ever they and they understand that now about each other it's no longer unclear things that do not have to be said anymore exactly yeah. well caboose you haven't been able to chime in much <laughs> <laughs> it's okay he loved it anyway he loved it, Caboose. what did you feel about fun. it like... I, I I can't really say much about it like it's it's fully coolly I mean what else is there to say about it I mean it's if you're expecting something like fully coolly this would be the show to <laughs> show to watch like, I think yeah. this is a really good spiritual successor maybe or reboot or continuation or I don't know adaptation uh, well, it's not adaptation that's well, new it's, season it's legitimately a yeah. sequel yeah. yeah well I mean it's one of those things where they're, they're still and, and much to their credit because like I, mean, I don't think anybody would have blamed them if they were really blatant like if it turns out that uh, Hidomi's dad is Naota and I think a lot of people that's already in the theory lot, like Again, multiple reviews bringing mm-hmm. that th- bringing that thought up. If you'd shown that out of the gate, it wouldn't have been a killer, but it wouldn't have been fully coolly. Fully coolly is like we're gonna like that's gonna be something they they back pocket for a second, if that's what this is, and this is actually like ten years something later. If this is actually in real time, like eighteen years later, so so like now it's in his late twenties or some shit, mm-hmm. which would actually still be weird because I need to have a kid and a teenager, so. I don't know how that. Well, people in Japan will get like, high school worse. I don't know. Yeah, you would like, probably have I first to be saw more the, than eighteen years. Yeah. Whenever I first saw the original previews for it, I thought like that was Nalta, but that was a whole different character, Ide. Like they look very similar. Well, that's intentional. Like I mean, the fact that yeah. they had Ide basically say that he went through Nauta's first day. Like that was a neat. That was kind of neat that they didn't. They told didn't show, but that was actually kind of the show don't tell on this case because you already have seen it once, so you just need to know that he's been through right. that same shit. You mm-hmm. are, if you've watched the, you know, and that's. I mean, that's how you kind of know it's definitely a sequel, at least in some contexts. This is like Ide only makes sense with Nauta's context. Like, or put it this way, you can only see there's certain things that have occurred to him that you only know occurred to him because you saw it before happening to somebody else, and he kind of mm-hmm. alluded to it. Yeah. Right, that's. Um, I mean, I and again, EDA. I mean, the, again, to their credits, like if uh, Nauta's kind of from this somewhat non-traditional home, but it's like you know he he, he lives at the top of a bakery. It's a very, I mean, in in some ways, a very traditional small town Japanese setting. You know, mm-hmm. it's like grandpa mm-hmm. lives with dad and top of a business that they have run probably since time immemorial. You know, uh, you know, it may have like a three hundred year history for all you know. That's a very, you know, and, and that gets into some of like why Nauta feels like he needs to grow up early. Ide is having to grow up early because he's fucking poor. Well, <laughs> and Nauta had to grow up because his dad was freaking immature, man. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. Nauta, well, no, Nauta had to grow up. Well, not just that his dad was immature, but like clearly there was something that he was going to have to grow into as well. Like it's like it's, it, you know, you, you it's that cultural thing of like grandpa ran the bakery. Dad's going to run the bakery. You're going to run the bakery. You have an inherited thing that you're probably going to either tap into or you break out of. Um, 
you know, and that's something that's covered in other works. It's all like, you know, uh, Nana has uh, the bassist, and no, the bassist, the guitarist, want the blonde in the uh, in the band. Oh, he's a, his he's actually an heir to a hotel, and it's like this is the, the him in the band is him rebelling. And yeah. Now just having to make that key decision of does he rebel, does he embrace, and in fact he doesn't need to make that decision yet. He's twelve. Yeah. Right. He's he's about to go into middle school. It's not a decision for him to make a call on. He needs to like that's the that's the that's a moral thrust of this is your maturity at this point is immaturity. You know, getting over, you know, not being like, oh, I got the wrong soda. I'm going to throw it away because that's what I think an adult does. It's like, no, it's stupid. It's that's actually acting more childish than you were. <laughs> wasteful. You're going to be a soldier. You're going to be a soldier. That's that's super childish. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so it's like him finding what actual maturity for his age is. is it plays into, like I said, there's there's there's. It's something that um, what the, when I was writing a bunch of shit about fully cool, I didn't fully appreciate. And then watching uh, a lot more about Japanese culture, you know, uh, via NHK World, um, which is free. You should, everybody should have that app and watch free television. Um, but uh, more importantly than actually visiting and being in these small towns, and you realize like, wow, like fully cool is very much about a certain kind of place that doesn't necessarily it isn't necessarily obvious. Uh, to every Western viewer. And again, probably plays into people thinking like, this makes no sense. It's like, no, 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 no. There's just 20 things that they don't bother to explain to you because they expect you to know innately. Um, and uh, I think this, I think there's a, I think there's some of that here as well. The fact that they have that setting where it's all like, he clearly seems to be in some sort of like, you know, like I said, Shenzhen Ring City-esque recycling nightmare uh, ghetto. Uh, that's a real place. That's a real thing that happens in the world. And you have literal children sorting through like fucking plastic bags for like, you know, so they can recycle stuff or like burning motherboards for the gold. Like that's a real place. Like it's and it. it, it they've cartoonishly exaggerated it, but like to put Ide there means something um, rather than having him be like, I mean, a normal, like if you, if the, if the setting was supposed to be Japan, he'd be working like a convenience store job that he's, lying to school about because you have that in like a dozen different animes right like that's that's trivial easy they pick they're picking things intentionally here not just because you hey it's a brutal environment we can show him being brutalized which we've decided is our our lead character's turn on (laughs) but also uh they're trying you know like they are trying to build a more international thing here and they are trying to uh you know, they 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 don't want you to they, even the implications that you that you got for free maybe for the first fully clear, they're gonna say well you don't necessarily get those for free you have to have that you have to have that have seen it somewhere before I think that's interesting that's what, it's like it's a it's a refined choice on the part of the directors here sorry for talking so much that's <laughs> no that's, no, that's no, all dude. very interesting perspective yep. no right? dude yeah seriously man like. At least you don't talk as much as Alex Von David. (laughs) Alex is going to kill you. (laughs) Maybe. Oh, I'm going to finally meet him at AX this time. Sweet. I actually sometimes feel kind of let down because, like, I feel like a big part of the fully collegiate experience is you're supposed to be like, I have no idea what I just saw. And it's like, you know what? They're actually pretty good about the parts. Yeah. Like, if you're like, like, uh, I mean, maybe this is just like, uh, maybe it's also just writers giving into the expectations that they expected like people in the review better say better see that you were wowed by it i'm like man i feel like there's probably not enough tearing apart of this show yet quite in the writing and maybe people want to see where it all goes 
especially because we've had some, you know, some of the some of the heavier shows in the past few seasons have veered dramatically off course from expectations. Frank's. Um, <laughs> what are you talking about hot dogs? Yeah. Uh, if only the show had been talking more about hot dogs. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, featured a hot dog vendor voiced by Jason DeMarco. <laughs> there needs to be a hot dog vendor voiced by Jason DeMarco in Fooly Cooly Progressive. That would be. I feel like Alternative is going to be the more natural place for a hot dog vendor, but maybe not. I don't know. Alternative also works. You know what? Actually, we just need the hot dog vendor to be like the hot dog vendor for, vendor from a Benabashi. Oh, yeah, <laughs> fucking boy, fucking girl, have a fucking hot dog. <laughs> no comment. I would love oh, to hear man. Jason say that. <laughs> and you have a hot dog, and you have a hot dog. God damn the the, the Oprah of hot dog vendors. I'm not even going to deal with all this stuff. And you know what, man? Y'all trying to make me seem like I'm a degenerate on him. But. Oh, damn. I am a degenerate. Shut up. Yeah. I'll go to the corner. But you're not, you're, you're not as mixed up as Hidomi, but Hidomi's like 12 or 13, so she's supposed to be mixed up. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't quite, like, they don't feel like they've, like, if there's something that actually is, spe- is specifically mentioning ages or grades here, it's a lot less blatant this time around like if it's there it must be in some sort of per, uh, per, per peripheral notes where it was like very blatant like nauta is in his last year of grade school in japan that means he is in fifth grade full stop you know mm-hmm. which is also why it's so super fucked up <laughs> like that like they i mean this one thing is is like they've kind of flipped on its ear like if the opening of the original fully Kali was messed up because you had a 17 year old like macking on a fifth grader um, this is clearly more along the lines of you have a adolescent who's got very, very dark dreams, very disturbing dreams. It's like it's literally, it's not an external force; it's an internal force, which is another contrast in here, right? Or put it this way: we haven't seen what has externally pushed this necessarily, or it's a lot more vague. Like there's the absentee mm. father thing here which she clearly had a reaction to in the first episode yeah maybe we should stop waiting for dad like wait a second here because daddy never loved me daddy never loved me what do you think of the uh, theory that that uh, nauta is actually the father of both hidomi and ide that would be be messed up so bad man whatever that's the star wars then yeah yeah <laughs> it's just star wars it's true true sorry george lucas who <laughs> played it by ear and made them siblings in the last movie after having them kiss whoops yeah. it was a good plan george well played that's not gonna that. be that's not gonna be used as a justification for garbage like kiss exists and orimo till the <laughs> end of days <laughs> i'm out here i'm out here striping people Oh, oh man, you, you, you should feel ashamed. I'm never gonna get. To, I'm never gonna get to go to Skywalker Ranch now. Yeah. No, you're not, dude. You have like literally been kicked off the cookout list. I I heard you compared my uh my my uh, grand uh cinematic uh sex movie uh <laughs> thing to uh Kiss Exis. Like yes, yes I did. Kermit the George Lucas. <laughs> 
Maybe it's a hint of Aaron Marcus. a really good fake again. George Lucas. You should work for a robot chicken. <laughs> <laughs> this is the reason why I love Carl, man. Uh, like, serious. Yeah, who else is going to like go into like the deep Lacanian analysis of fully, fully progressive, but then also crack an jo- incest joke about George Lucas? Only me. <laughs> oh, no. Who else All but Carl? Persons- or oh. Darrell. Right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> we are the only two that probably would have did that, Carl. And thank you. Thank you so much, dude. It, it just felt like a breath of fresh air, man. I was actually able to use my degree tonight. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, Felicity is the kind of show that needs it. I mean, I was kind of, like I said, it, it's been, I, th- I think also it's like, well, there's been a lot of great anime lately in the past, you know, 18 years. Um, of we is is the things that you need to tear apart visually that common mm. i mean occasionally you get your you know uh, obviously like stuff like penguin drum and your uh uh yurikumi arashi like or i'm probably i'm probably messing that up but anyways the shows from the utena guy of course the of course his shows are like visually dense and and very you know like those are shows to tear apart but it seems like you know you, outside of kind of known auteurs you know, like anime hasn't been like super weird a lot lately. And even some of the stuff that was kind of like, ooh, Frank's looks like it's referencing every weird giant robot show under the sun. It's going to have something cool to say. And it's like, hmm, maybe not. Uh, and not even in the way you expected, but in like a whole different, like even worse way. Uh, it's great to have something like Fully Clear where you can just sort of be like, you know what? It's actually it's just being it's it's using all this visual metaphor and stuff to just kind of talk about adolescence which is what the first show did i didn't really judge the first show doesn't judge nauta for being you know other than saying like you're trying too hard to do something it's not but it's not saying like you're wrong you're you know Nauta's not the villain for having done that i don't think hodomi is going to be the villain for the things she's struggling through i don't think we're going to see that an alternative either that's not fully coolie's tone and that's another subtle part of the tone tone of the series uh that it's that the new series is recaptured uh so far but um, it's not just telling you that stuff. It's it's or, or put it this way, it's telling you in a much more visual, you know, it's a integrated visual and uh, textual thing that's you have to kind of watch three times to like tear apart each episode and then the whole series again. And that's great. It's been so I feel like we've been thin on that kind of content. You know, we haven't had you know when was the last time even a, even a lot of the creative auteurs these days aren't doing a lot of shows. Um, you know, there's not there hasn't been a new Yoshitoshi Abe thing in like forever. Um, you know, these 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 people who do like weird deep shows, it's just not what it's not what's getting funded. So it's nice to have like Adult Swim saying like, "Fuck it, do it." Let's get something that actually stimulates brain cells. And here's the thing: it's all like, you know what? You want to know how you can keep running fully coolly for 18 years straight on U.S. television because it does have that depth, and it will stop. You will stop. If you're flipping through channels, you will stop on that channel every single damn time because it has depth. Yeah, it always has replayability. And, and the whole like, thing it, is, like, I find something new each time I watch Fooly Cooly, though, man. Exactly. I, I mean, I, it was something I missed the first time, the second time, the third time. I'm like, whoa, okay, so I actually get this right here. Yeah. No, exactly. And so, like, you can, I mean, there's very few shows that you get to do that with. And it's, uh, you'd think there'd be more because it does have such replayability. There's so much stuff that's like, oh, that's cool to watch once, but you don't have to revisit it ever because you watched it once. You don't have to own it on DVD. You watched it once. 
you can't say that with uh, with uh, stuff like Fully Coley, like that grade of stuff. I mean, uh, and there's, you know, Adult Swim's lucky that they've gotten, a, you know, they've been the home to a few things like that on broadcast television. You know, Cowboy Bebop's the same way. You can, you're so much, it's so rich and dense that you can, and so distinctive that you will stop every time you see it as you're flipping through channels, right? Exactly. It says a lot. To, says a lot to uh, Jason DeMarco's taste. I'll say that, and 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 Lazo's as well. <laughs> Indeed. Well done, Mr. DeMarco and Lazo. Well, thankfully, <laughs> we had plenty to talk about because we didn't get very many talkbacks. Kind of disappointing about that, considering we got so many the first week. But I guess that's par for the course. So first, uh, a very positive talkback from Ian Haas. Saying, going into Progressive, I was not that big a fan of the original. It's great, but I don't love it. All I was looking for was some unadulterated fun, and so far I'm getting just that. I'm still in love with this sequel. Fun's an interesting way of looking at this. Fun, yes. They're so adorable! (laughs) There's nothing nothing more fun than than wanting yourself to be eaten alive and getting alive. It's Dude, very that fun. Some, that is some deep postpartum self hatred. Oh yeah. man, it's uh, it's something. <clears throat> it's weird because it's like I feel like another show would try and do this, and I'd fucking hate it. Like yeah. I feel like I feel like I've seen a lot of shows try and have this like mix of violence and and uh, uh, teen sexuality, and just fucking falls on its face. And they're really nailing it here. It's very unexpected. <laughs> And our other talkback comes from Joshua Knighton, who has been skeptical and remains skeptical. I'm going to be honest, guys. I don't know what to do with this one. I mean, it's okay, but it feels less like an original anime and more like one of those full-length Adult Swim productions made by the FLCO crew. I mean, I'm just not engaged with this one as I was with the original FLCO. It's okay, but is it FLCO? Is this a successor to the show that we know and love? Maybe it'll change after three episodes, but I'm skeptical. Bless your heart. That's okay. Yeah. I honestly think that if you're catching different kinds of adolescence, there should be, like, if you're catching those different angles, there should be ones where you're just like, well, that wasn't your experience and it shouldn't read to you, frankly. Unless you're, like, really into, like, theorycrafted stuff, like, you shouldn't necessarily have that gut reaction. Uh, to everything like i don't have a gut react like i can't relate to hidomi i just know enough about fucking i've had i had enough outside uh study in psych in 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 university outside of computer science and stuff like psychology and poli sci and all this other very esoteric liberal arts stuff that's like oh i get what they're going for here and so it's like yeah i don't know what it's like to be like a teenage girl i don't i could easily relate more easily to nauta full up but I get what they're trying to talk to here, and I'm worldly enough now, hopefully at 34, to kind of be able to step into somebody else's shoes and and have talked to enough people to kind of get like, oh, this isn't nece- this doesn't have to be for me, and it's still cool, it's still really neat, and in fact, it's great that it's not for me because everybody should have something like fully coolly for them, in a sense, like it's a very valuable thing to be able to contextualize your own adolescence through a show that seems to really care about talking about it. Yeah. It's like what Jason said when uh, asked, you know, why, why do more fully coolie? What more can be done with fully coolie? Well, the original story 
was about the coming of age for a young man, and that leaves out so much of the population, right? Yeah. And there's there's more kinds of adolescence to experience, and well, I think and it's they, also like a very like, and I also just like in terms of a young man as well. It's like he's a very you know, he's a sheltered young man. Like, his, like his brother's a fucking pro baseball player. Like, this is, like, he doesn't, like, Nauta doesn't have it bad, bad. Right? Yeah. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a very secure thing. Very clearly, Domi doesn't, Domi's in a fairly secure position. Ide's interesting because he's clearly not. Ide is much closer in position, uh, in a sense, and actually kind of an interesting thing. I, I'm now thinking about literally right now in podcast. Ide's position is way closer to that of Mamimi's, where you're just like he is on the edge of being able to make it. Just like Mamimi was like, I need the fucking bread so I'm not starving. You know, this is a different play on that, right? Right. It's really a different is. angle to that. So to think of that, to to to, to think of that perspective there, um, those are different stories though. Being, you know a secure adolescence uh, for a, for a boy is different than an insecure, than a inse- financially insecure adolescence. And this then, you know, we're seeing now the mirroring uh, for the other characters. It's a kind of an interesting choice, really, really, really interesting choice. Cause remember in the first episode, who overflows? Well, Mimi, right. Mm-hmm. So these, these parallels are there between also the other characters. And like I said, though, those aren't, you know, part of it is, is who are you looking for to represent you in the show? Like if part of it is finding your connections, like one, you're not necessarily guaranteed one. I think alternative is going to be even more alienating. Like a lot of people could not get past like that. They had a Moe style cast there and didn't realize it's like, yeah, but they have given that cast so much more character in 22 minutes than you would normally get out of the whole set. Oh, absolutely. But just the fact that just the fact that one of them uh, is overweight. Like that's just like when did you when it name me one Moe show that wouldn't just like straight be just jokes about that if they have even had one none zero none. not gonna happen in a slice of life not gonna happen in a slice of life look it's at the name though, man let's see what this yeah? is and they seem like yeah. a combination of like a couple of kids that are probably not the cool kids and then the, clearly the one girl who could probably be one of the cool kids and then. And then you have the overweight girl, and they're all friends. But, but, but they're all friends. Like, they clearly have this history. And the thing is, they do a lot of things to, like I said, split-second establishment. Oh, like, what do they have in their hands? What are they eating for lunch? And they show that in, like, literally under 30 seconds. They're showing, like, oh, model's clearly eating calorie mate. One's eating a homemade bento. Uh, other girl's eating just, like, junk food. And it's, like, it looks, it's just, like, quick, quick, quick. And, like, another person's just having bread. And you're just, like, wow, these are things that if you know know about them culturally it's all like that's what you've they've, they've established more about the characters in a snapshot and that's a very fully coolly thing to do fully coolly i mean the big thing in the episode firestarter is there's that whole flash of imagery there you where they essentially uh, backwards assemble for you if you start to like step through it like oh yeah mamimi did this like mamimi's been the person setting fires right mm-hmm. but they show it in like a heartbeat they didn't tell you they showed and they're doing that with they're doing the exact same thing in alternative but like they said, the set of people in alternative, a different set of people. I know people who will relate to being an up and coming model. I'll know. I know people who relate to being uh, the weird kid, but who's actually like kind of the most together of the lot and putting together like the one who's taking initiative to make rockets in the first place before their friends are right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like these, and then the person who's like, yeah, literally. I think 
the interesting thing is I think there's a lot of people who should probably relate to alternative just because it's like, I think so many people who probably are going to be watching it are the kind of emotionally stunted people who are like, yeah, I really wish there would be like a magical cat giving me a wand. And you're like, dude, she's bad with like, she's 17. You're like 30. <laughs> like, I think the alternative is going to have a lot to say for some people. <laughs> Like there's gonna be people who come out at the end of that and be like, I gotta fucking think about my life. It's <laughs> exactly what you should have out of Felicoli. Like if you're relating to the character and you're like, I'm not fix. He fixed his shit and I didn't, or she fixed her shit and I didn't. Asa, uh, you know, fucking carry that weight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who well, else is complaining? Yeah. What else we got for feedback? Uh, that's it. Wow, only two. Yeah, like I said, not not much. I mean, there was there was one additional talkback that was just like a a bad joke. <laughs> not reading it. You're not okay. gonna read the bad joke. Not gonna read the bad joke. Well, if you <laughs> really want it, it's, it was uh, Toonami Gamers. It's something to the effect of uh, high school of the fully coolie dead. Uh, ah. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why you got to read it so that we can just low effort <laughs> a low effort yeah also it's all like i like i said there's a there's a there's like a whole like complex area of psychology that's just talking about like that duality you know i mean there's a reason why uh an orgasm in french is called la petite mort the small death yeah. right yes. and this seems to be like that's like right at the heart of this show the small death, small death. right yeah. Yeah. And it's and, and right at the heart of fully, I mean, sexuality is throughout fully cool anyways, is rinsed in it. Um, and this, and so is this new show. So when you have that then paired with death imagery and you have a whole, like I said, it's like French psychologists just love talking about this stuff. Um, and you know what? There's actually a graphic novel introduction to Lacanian analysis. that's pretty good. If you, if, if anybody out there really wants to start to have the tools to like, look at fully cool critically, um, from that perspective. But the thing is, is like when that's sitting there, it's like, you can't say it's like fully clues, just random monkey cheese. Or like, I don't know if I get it. It's like, well, you probably aren't, you can work on that. Exactly. I think we'd have lost a couple of people call. <laughs> probably. If you're still right with, with us I'm next, sorry, next week, next week we get to see what fully Cooley will do with a beach episode. I'm sure oh, that the yeah. link to the castration complex and the aggression of the death drive. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> See, Carl, you have made my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> we have definitely been talking a long time, so let's wrap this up. Uh, like a condom. Yeah. Have, have, you you have, can send your talkbacks to us using the hashtag Toonami Talkback. Please do send your talkbacks for episode three. I'm sure you'll have things to say, even if they're not insightful. Wrecked. But keep it good, because I want to read the good ones. You can email us at podcast at tsunamifaithful.com. You can rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and SoundCloud. Our Facebook is facebook.com backslash Podcast. Our Twitter is at tsunamipodcast. Our Tumblr is tunamifaithfulofficial.tumblr.com. Do we even Ow. use that anymore? <laughs> and if you want to listen to the podcast, you can go to soundcloud.com backslash tunamifaithfulpodcast or listen on the TuneIn Radio app. You can also go to podcast.tunamifaithful.com for old episodes of the podcast, exclusives, etc. 
And also episodes of the uh, Toonami Showdown, which I pop up on sometimes. Traitor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See ya, everybody. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm Carl. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. It's like, it's one of these things. You got some stuff you want to plug? <laughs> oh, I do. I'm sorry for going on so long. Yes, uh, I just dropped uh, recently a new album. Uh, it is my 10th Nerdcore album. Uh, wow. And it's self-titled. Ultraclastron, 10 songs long. It's up on ultraclastron.com. It's also on all your major services, Spotify, Apple Music. Didn't you Google already have Play, a self-titled? Amazon. No, I have never done a self-titled. This is the first one in over something like, I guess, started uh-huh. releasing music online when I was 14, so 20 years of releasing music. This is my first self-titled. Hey. This ain't his first rodeo, folks. I'm old. I'm washed. Listen to my record. Man, you only like two years younger than me, man. Sit down somewhere. I'm running good my next tape. You crutch me, old man. Who do you think? We are all to? teetering so close to being outside of Adult Swim's primary demographic. Yeah. That's a lie, dude. Mentally, now we feel we like Jeff Harris. <laughs> yeah, Look like here. those ad- those advertisers will appeal will appeal to me long into my twilight years. Yes. It's dude, true. I'm gonna be on my deathbed talking about fully coolly progressive. Yeah, no, it's oh. I, I believe at that point they'll be at fully coolly hyper real or some other sequel. All right, I actually, for the first time ever, hope so, which is crazy. What a what an what an accomplishment! I know, right? I know. What helped with that is if if uh, people bought it on iTunes and Amazon and Google Play. Who do you think you're talking to? It. Money like, speaks it, the loudest. And I'll and I'll say this: if you are waiting for subs to purchase, fine. But you better actually buy them. I understand, yeah. you, know, yeah. you know, but you know, cash rules. So buy them subs, or you know, if for some reason now that they're merged under one company, fully fully progressive streams on Crunchyroll for some fucked up reason now that they're one company. Sure, watch it there. Just make sure to support it officially. However, that ends up being in the next six months to two years under. Well, I mean, it's Time Warner, it's AT and T. So what is that? Twat and T. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think I have an episode title. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, y'all talk, I'm honestly y'all surprised talk. I haven't seen that more online. I haven't surprised more people haven't made that realization that the abbreviation is not that good. Dude, trust me, I was about to put that out, but I was like, too soon. But now, <laughs> I'm going to do that now. I have blessed it. Wow. Okay, Carl, where can they find you on Twitter? Um, at Carl R. Olson on the Twitter, K-A-R-L-R-O-L-S-O-N, middle initial because, you know, gotta. Yeah. And it's also the same for my .com is that, and you can pretty much harass me on virtually any service on earth through that. Uh, I will block you if you suck. Just real talk. (laughs) (laughs) Caboose, where can they find you? Playing Splatoon 2, that's what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Uh, you can find me at Caboose Jr. at uh, Tumblr, Twitter, YouTube, Ask.fm, the usual stuff. All right. Mr. Terrell. Oh, you can find me at my local bar, getting hammered. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, seriously, you can find me at Ukami underscore Samurai 7 at Twitter.com, or you can follow me at my more tame uh, Twitter account, which is Nasia underscore Rojo Adenasi at twitter.com. 
And you can find me on Twitter at Sketch1984, and you can ask me stupid questions at CuriousCat.me backslash Sketch1984. So once again, thank you very much, Carl, for joining us. This has been, been a, a pleasure. riveting conversation. Yeah. Yes. I hope I hope the listeners got something out of it. <laughs> Dude, trust me, they're gonna write a paper after this. Yeah. I, I, I have, I have, honestly, I'm at the point where I'm like, when this, when the show is done, like, can I make like a little like, how, how to, how to fully fully guide and like, you know, print it somewhere, <laughs> or get put that up somewhere. Sure. Amazon book. There you go. <laughs> Let's make that money. <laughs> yeah, an idiot's guide to fully fully. Oh. Well, I mean, they, they, was it, um, Rose Bridges did a 33 and a half on the, uh, Cowboy Bebop soundtrack. Now, granted, she's actually a PhD musicologist and an anime fan, but I figure like I could kind of half ass a fully coolly, like, you know, idiot's guide, though it would be really great. I, I'd love to actually see somebody who's really got the, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the actual degree chops to, to go in on it. It's a show that actually has that much to, to tear apart. Agreed. thanks for listening each and every week i hope you are tuning in for our weekly podcast while we cover fully cooly progressive Uh, it's a nice change of pace because we've been doing bi-weekly or less lately because of various reasons so hope you're enjoying the podcast folks and thank you once again for listening and uh carl i hope we can have you back again yeah, I'll see. I'll see. I'll see if I can make that work. Certainly, try and get me back in uh, for the last episode. I'm sure there'll be. I was thinking <laughs> that that might, might that might take three hours though. We may have to block out quite a bit of time depending on how much they uh, actually pay off all this insane stuff I've been guessing about. <laughs> we can make it work. <laughs> Another epically work. long podcast, everybody. Spe- get ready. Spe- special That's three-part fine. podcast longer than the actual show. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We're you know we're doing it right when it's longer than the actual show. Uh well with that folks we're punching it. think would be a good alternative genre show for Toonami to try? I think they should just kind of lean into some of the um, I mean they've got kind of two options here either just go with like we're going to run prestige titles from Noah Tomina like they could run literally anything from Noah Tomina and be like well that's a very great show <laughs> and it would be uh, probably at least well received by the fans even if the ratings were, were, were rough depending on which one they ran mm-hmm. Uh I think there's things where they could just try something that's very big, but very in a different lane. Like you could try something where it's like, okay, what's what gets merch and fucking hot topic that we don't air. But then that means you're like, well, shit, we should run like Yuri on ice, which seems like such a crazy reach, but you're like, well, it's a sports anime. Um, but it, it's, it's, but it typically has more of a female audience. 
Um, it's definitely very LGBT positive in a way that nothing has been so blatantly so on uh, Fully Coley or on uh, on Adult Swim. But it, but it's immaculately well made. It's incredibly well directed. You can't fault it on quality or execution. It's not popular in garbage. It's popular because it is a top shelf show. Um, really but is. is it gonna but is it gonna work? And it's like I don't know. Like I feel like put it this way, I definitely don't think there's probably put it this way. You either you either you either bet big or you're really like well. Pop Team Epic's the big comedy this year, and you just kind of phone it in. And like, I don't know. It's 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 a real, it's a real tricky thing to pull off. And they have eaten dirt on it so many times before. Like even when they just like, we're gonna go with something that's like psycho suspense horror and isn't action driven. And it's like, yes, it's awesome that you ran uh, Paranoia Agent, but it just ate it. It's just sad. People should appreciate Shitoshi Kon's work, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, flip side is is that you know they ran super milk chan because i think adv gave it to him for like free or paid them to air it i was like fuck that was not that was a bust now on the flip side i is, hate it super milk chan. No, the flip side is, oh, is it, uh played that is, gag, is, it, though. Is, it, is it shin chan worked yeah shin chan was freaking awesome so though. it's like a good comedy dub may just be the easiest first step otherwise like i said they should just be like well what's the what are the shows that get merch and that have perennial audiences that we don't air or have not aired, um, but we could. And I don't think there's anything stopping them. I mean, now at this point, yeah, uh, I think I think uh, Crunchyroll has very locked down rights on um, uh, Yuri on Ice specifically because they even have like their names all over the fucking merch and the tags and stuff. Like they own that show internationally, lock, stock, and barrel, probably including TV broadcast rights. But they got the same corporate parent now, so. You yeah, know. I don't know. Like, I mean, that shouldn't have been a barrier before because they got Black Clover. True, but I'm still pretty sure that the uh, TV Tokyo and the Japanese partners are like, we really want this on TV. Make yeah, it happen. No, I think I, th- I think there's a difference when it's all like the seg- like shonen shonen licensing is like a whole different like zoo, uh, just because typically there's a shit ton of shit ton more people involved. Yeah, uh, in Japan, and they they all probably put more money into it, and so they're like, we, this needs to be as big as possible. Like they, uh, all of them still to some extent have dreams that they've got the next Pokemon. Nobody makes a thirteen episode niche show and thinks they're going to be the next Pokemon, which is why a streamer can come through and say like, we'll back the fuck out of this, but we want it internationally, um, so that if it's a hit, we make all of the international money on it, uh, or we're making a significant cut and not a little streaming money. Um, so yeah, there's the, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's something that I think fully, I, th- I think that uh, adult swim is playing here with fully Coley is like, they're in a rare position to have been cultivating that business relationship for like a bazillion years. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and have like gradually worked on it, but they're also like, they know that this is something to own and that they're in the position where no one else is going to get a slice of it even really. Yeah, some like IG will have their their will monetize it in Japan and everywhere else on Earth if they have any sense that should be theirs, right? Mm-hmm. So they should, you know. I mean, like uh, my annoyances is I do wish Lazo just could have his way and just move towards more over the top stuff. Like I think, like I said, like think if they promote, like I'd promote Lazo, I'd promote Demarco into roles if they were interested or willing or ask them who they think could take on positions that would move, uh, move Turner and time Warner towards feeding stuff into stuff like direct TV now and uh, verve such that you're like, no, we are over the top 
kind of first, or at least that's always part of the plan. It's not an afterthought. It's one of the bullet points is over-the-top international distribution that you're controlling. You're not having to go to Google, and then Google gets 30%, or Apple gets 30%. You get 100% of it, and you have those eyes on your app with your tracking and your information as to what's working and what's not directly. You're not waiting for sales data to come back three months later. You have all that shit instantly. You even, if you, depending on how deep you set up the tracking of these kind of things, you know what they looked at first before actually watching, right? That's what they like. That's the that's the that's that's the game that they could play with AT and T. Totally remains to be seen as to whether they can actually get themselves out of this. Will we make a show and then we sell it to somebody else because we're not allowed to synergize mindset? Now give me some money, Caboose. Mm. Don't to have money. Oh, you saw either you give me your money, or I'm coming to steal you all. <laughs> Which you one go is ahead. it gonna be? Yeah, I guess I'm stealing that guy. Go ahead, wall. steal my wall. I don't care. You know you. Can. I got Smash to play. Fucking consoles. I will. They they still did they still did it wrong by Waluigi though. Oh man, uh, yeah. they, they definitely Wash, did. Wa- Washington Post is right. Wow. <laughs> I mean, excuse well, me. No. Washington Post. <laughs> I mean, did you hear their response to that? Like, people like Waluigi, Waluigi insincerely. It's yeah. Like, what Nintendo? What are you talking about? <laughs> Oh, Nintendo, why are you so cray-cray? I mean, why why, why are you teasing us, like, with his outrageous poses in Mario Tennis? Yeah. yeah. Like, we want that. We love yeah. that. That's why that shit's so hard. You why? <laughs> it would be <laughs> funny if they included him in the game, but it was the Mario Tennis version. <laughs> sure, why not? Poses. Yeah, why not? Well, uh, they have different... You know, different uh, Zeldas represented. Why not have a, a Mario sports game represented? But, but just that, like that's the like it's like we'll give them to you, but still weird because it's it's Waluigi, and we have to be you know we can't just like be can't just give you what you want. This no, DLC no. that they can charge good money for. <laughs> that's fine. That's Bring right. them as DLC. I don't care. Yeah. Just uh, it'd be a. What are they called? Echo characters? Echo characters. So what would you have an echo of? Would he be an echo I of mean, Luigi, or would he be an echo of Wario? I would say Luigi. That might be... Well, Luigi I mean... in Smash is pretty weird. <laughs> yeah, and but, they are keeping I mean, up the weirdness. With his, with his postures and, I don't know, the way his moves... His moves, like he might, he might can play completely different from you know Luigi himself. No, obviously True. he should be it's an echo character of Ridley. Screwing <laughs> <laughs> people so bad. How so... how would he skewer people? That's my question. Uh, obviously on the mustache. <laughs> and it's Ferguson's no today. It'll really take him for a mustache ride. I went there. Bobo Bo, ready for Smash. <laughs> he better at least be in Jump Force. Ooh, yeah. 
absolutely ridiculous boba bo when they're trying to take everything so seriously. Hi! Hey!